Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. And yeah, thank you, Tim and Emily, for sharing sharing hope with us. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, if you've been with us this season of Lent that we have renamed Lentecost, we have been digging into the Beatitudes, Jesus' beginning of his Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. Uh, so Lent is often the season of... Um, anticipating Jesus' death, and often it's like a wilderness experience for the church, but we're looking at Jesus' proclamation and promise of blessing uh, in this season as he came um, calling people to repent because the kingdom of God was near, because the king was in their midst. And, and I'll just, this, this text has been so rich. Um, it's, uh, Jesus' words are so dynamic they're so simple and yet so dynamic. We, in, in Luke, in Luke, Jesus' first kind of sermon, he begins by pulling out the, the scroll of Isaiah and reading from Isaiah and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And, and in Matthew, he's doing the same thing. He's just not reading from the scroll of Isaiah. He's just preaching good news proclaiming good news and preaching it to the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And Doug talked about how these are proclamations and promises, that he's declaring these things over his audience, proclaiming it to them because it's good news that the king is here in their midst. And these words inspire us. They're not commandments. Jesus didn't say, be poor in spirit, or be mourning, or be meek. So no blessed are these. These words are meant to inspire uh, because they, they inspire that kind of character because yeah, if I'm blessed, I wanna live into that blessing. And it gives us an indication of what the kingdom looks like. So these are the things that the spirit works in us and transforms in us. This is the way. This is the way of the kingdom. This is the way of the king. Jesus is the blessed one who comes to bring kingdom blessings. And so this, this Sunday, we're, we're diving into the third and the sixth, I believe it is, Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And there's, hopefully you'll get a few things from this teaching, but if there's one thing that I hope you hear, it's this. Jesus is the meek one who gives us inheritance in his kingdom. Jesus is the pure hearted one who purifies our hearts and reveals God to us. 
Jesus, the blessed one, the blessed king, came to bring kingdom blessings. He is the meek one who gives us inheritance in his kingdom. He is the pure-hearted one who purifies our hearts and reveals God to us. What does it mean to be meek? It's interesting, so there, the, the first testament, the Old Testament, uh, it was primarily written in Hebrew, and the New Testament, or the Second Testament, is primarily re- written in Greek. And so there's different words for these, and actually, the words for meek have these different connotations. So in the Old Testament, and Jesus is actually kind of quoting Psalm 3711 here. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Psalm 3711 says, the meek will inherit the land. And that word in the First Testament for meek usually means poor, afflicted, oppressed, humble, or meek. So that's kind of the connotation there. Now, in the New Testament, the Greek uh, word for meek is more of this idea of gentleness. Uh, Again, humbleness. Um, And a lot of times people will talk about meekness in that Greek sense of being strength under control. Uh, Often an analogy of a horse. Uh, And a wild horse is very powerful, but also lacks any sort of direction and can be dangerous. But when that horse is broken and trained, it is then has that great power, but it's under control. Uh, I wanna just, I have this up on a slide, uh, and I wanna give you some homework, um, because that's what Renew does sometimes. There's passages up here. Uh, These passages, I've been reading them over the last couple weeks, and they're just really, good passages to read and reflect on. Um, The verses that are indicated there are where the word meek is used, um, but it's not necessarily going to be translated as meek. So if you want to jot those down and just spend some time reading and reflecting on those. But interestingly, meek is actually a word that Jesus uses to describe himself. So in Matthew 11, 28 through 29, he's through 30, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, or I am meek, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus describes himself as meek. I have a question, and this is not a rhetorical question, so you can feel free to shout out. How do you see Jesus in the scripture being meek? Any, any examples that come to mind? Walking the, Washing the disciples' feet. When he heals the sick. When he heals, say more. Yeah, yeah, he takes the time to welcome these people, yeah. Yeah, anybody else? Uh, Welcoming the children. What kind of king does that? (laughs) Any, any? What's that? When he's arrested in the garden. When he's arrested in the garden. 
Yeah, I think we could, we could probably come up with example after example. Even the very thought that Jesus, and this is the, the hymn that's in Philippians 2, that Jesus would leave his throne in heaven to come to the earth. God all-powerful, born as a baby, born in a manger, meekness. Uh, the way he submits himself to presumably his parents as a child, uh, but then the ways in which he serves his disciples washing his feet. And of course, meekness of even going to the cross. Jesus demonstrates this meekness over and over again. Uh, and I would submit to you that I believe what Jesus is demonstrating to us about meekness is that meekness is yieldedness to God. So strength under God's control yieldedness to how God wants to use power, authority, whatever that is. And then how is that strength practiced? In a yieldedness to God, in gentleness, in humbleness. So yield, uh, meekness as yieldedness to God. Uh, through his meekness, the fact that Jesus would go to the cross for us, his total yieldedness to God, through that Jesus saves us, redeems us, forgives us in him, and by his meekness, the kingdom comes. And those who follow his way of meekness have an inheritance in his kingdom. Yielded to God. So I think there's a question for us to ponder is, if we are yielded to God, how might God want you to use your strength with more gentleness and humility. So there may be areas of your life that you are quite strong and powerful and you practice that, but maybe God is inviting you to practice that strength in a humbler, more gentle way. And on the flip side, another question I think that we can ask ourselves is, where has God given me authority that I have not practiced? that I have been fearful or weak when God is actually inviting me into a gentle boldness to use my God-given authority or strength in that situation. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. I think meekness and being pure in heart are very related because it's, it's all about our posture toward God, recognizing our need for God, being yielded to God and being fully devoted to God. So I'll give you a few more passages to jot down. Um, these relate more to being pure in heart. So Psalm 24 and Psalm 51. There's a couple others up there. So blessed are the pure in heart. Now this was... This was in a context where there were religious leaders and Pharisees who were very much about the outward appearances of purity, right? And that felt like a burden to a lot of people who couldn't quite measure up to all of these traditions and practices. And Jesus is speaking to the heart, quite literally, blessed are the pure in heart. I'm not so concerned about how you look to other people. I'm concerned about the condition of your heart. And we can easily get focused on this. We can easily get focused on the outward appearance. 
How do I look to others? How do others see me? And that keeps us from seeing God and understanding how God sees us. Jesus is concerned about a deeper purity. Jesus is the pure-hearted one who purifies our hearts and reveals God to us. In him we see God. In Jeremiah 17, which is another one you could actually probably jot down, it's a a little bit more challenging text. In Jeremiah 17 is written, the heart of human, the human heart is deceitful or deceptive above all things. It's full of wickedness. And that's a challenging word when we come to this space where Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart. Well, God, you tell me that my heart is definitely not pure. And so we have to come to this posture of recognizing that in humility and meekness, we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to purify me. And that blesses the Lord. That blesses the Lord when we come in that posture because he wants to do that for us. Jesus' heart toward you, let me start out. Jesus' heart toward God is pure, right? I would say that that's meekness. Jesus' heart toward God is is pure, and that's meekness. And Jesus' heart toward you is pure. Jesus' Love for you is pure. There's no blemish on it. There's no corruption in it. There is no ulterior motive in Jesus' love for you. His desire is for you to be with him in the Father, enjoying that relationship. Pure, there is nothing undefiled in it. There is nothing unwanted. There is innocence. There is pure motives. Jesus wants to purify your heart. Now, interestingly, so this is in Matthew 5, where we have these Beatitudes, the beginning of Matthew 5. And Jesus preaches a sermon that takes up five, six, seven, three chapters in Matthew. I won't be before you that long. So he has three chapters that start with his Beatitude, Sermon on the Mount, great teaching, and then he comes down this mountain. Does anybody know what happens the first time when he comes down the mountain? Who does he meet? Any quick turns of the page to chapter eight? He meets a leper. And if you know anything about lepers in biblical times, they were seen as unclean or impure. And this leper comes to Jesus saying, if you choose, you can make me pure. If you choose, you can make me pure. Now, the mindset here was that, and this is something that the Pharisees and religious leaders were really concerned about, is that if somebody who's unclean touches you, then you become unclean, right? And so this, there's this idea that uncleanness, that impurity is like contagious, We know nothing about contagious things right now. This idea that if if this leper touches Jesus, that Jesus becomes unclean. But this leper has this idea that's flipped. Could it be that Jesus' purity 
is actually the thing that is contagious. A leper who has, however long he's had leprosy, would have probably believed this leprosy was because of some sin that he had committed and was probably told that by multiple people and then begins to take on this shame that he is unclean, that he is garbage, that he is unworthy, deep, deep soul wounds. A soul wound of sin he believes that his life is stained by sin and soul wounds from what he's been told about his identity. And he comes to Jesus, says, if you choose, if you are willing, you can make me pure. You can cleanse me. You can purify me. I believe with deep conviction that Jesus wants to bless you with a pure heart. That Jesus wants to heal the soul wounds that hinder us from seeing the fullness of God and experiencing the fullness of God's love. So maybe it's, maybe it's some, and I know that probably all of you, maybe all of you, I don't know, for sure, I've heard this before, that Jesus forgives sins and that Jesus heals. But I want you to hear it again. And maybe you haven't heard it before and this is the first time. Jesus purifies sin, wipes it clean. And I think sometimes we can fall into this idea that like, yeah, I, I, I believe that, I've understand it, I believe it in my head, but somehow we hold on to something. It's just like, ah, uh, Jesus, Jesus would really forgive that? Or it still feels like there's some sort of stain on your soul from that sin. So we haven't really fully received the fullness of Christ's forgiveness. We haven't allowed Jesus to really touch that and say, no, this is made clean. This is purified. It is no more. Or maybe, and I think this is something we don't talk about enough, that the ways that we have been sinned against soil our souls, actually rip our souls, rip our hearts. Maybe it's a deep wound, or maybe it's just death by a thousand paper cuts on the soul of little ways that we have been wounded by the sin of others, been told that we are nothing been abused, been taken advantage of, been neglected, been betrayed. And what would it look like for Jesus to touch that place and say, I choose, be made pure. And so I wanna, I wanna invite us to receive this today. We're gonna enter into just a posture of prayer and maybe you're sitting there saying, Ben, I hear you. I've received this and I got nothing left. Jesus has purified it. I don't know, say amen, hallelujah. And you can spend this prayer time just thanking Jesus for that. But I also want to invite us just in that posture, Holy Spirit, would you come and search me and reveal to me the places of my heart that you want to touch 
those dead places, those places that have been bleeding or cut off that you want to touch and purify? Would you show them to me? So I want to invite you into a posture of prayer and I'll lead us in this time. If you want to get out of your seats and come up here and kneel down, whatever that looks like for you. I just had this deep conviction that Jesus wants to purify our hearts, that Jesus wants to heal these soul wounds in our life so that we can see God, the fullness of God's goodness and love for us and live in a new freedom that we have yet to experience. So would you just pray with me? Holy Spirit, I invite you to search my heart. Search my heart for any, any sin that I have not let you forgive any sin that I have not confessed to you that, that is causing a rift in our relationship or a rift in my relationship with somebody else. Any sin that lingers with a stain on my heart, would you show it to me? Would you reveal it to me so that I can lay it before Jesus and ask him to touch? Holy Spirit, would you examine my soul? Would you examine my heart for any ways that I have been wounded? And maybe I've tried to move on from it or forget about it, but it still lingers and there's still a deep ache. Or maybe a part of me is dead because of this wound. Would you show me this deep soul wound? or maybe this little paper cut on my heart. Would you reveal it to me so that I can lay it before Jesus and ask him to touch it and make it pure? I wanna invite you to Imagine yourself in the place of the leper coming before Jesus. As Jesus comes to you, will you see the purity in his heart? The love in his face and the grace in his eyes. I invite you just to speak to him the words of that leper. Lord Jesus, if you choose you can make me pure. See the purity of Jesus' love for you as he reaches out to touch you. And hear him respond to you. Hear Jesus, the pure-hearted one, speak to you, I do choose be made pure. I invite you just to spend time with Jesus in that place. He has time to be with you.
to purify your heart, to bring life into your soul, to bring freedom to you, to live in the fullness of his love. As you spend more time in prayer, we're going to play a song. Uh, It's called He Has Time. I invite you just to listen. If you want to follow the lyrics, we'll be up on the screen. Just listen and spend this time with Jesus. He has time for you.
invite you as if Jesus met you in some sort of way, um, feel free to share that with somebody. If you need more prayer and would like somebody to pray with you, um, you can seek out one of our elders uh, even as we move through the rest of this worship time. The other thing I want to say is that if Jesus has touched your heart with purity, you are now contagious you are now contagious with that purity. I'm gonna invite Dan and Jenny back up to pray, to lead us in worship. <laughs> they were like, what? <laughs> pray, we're gonna sing. It's a form of prayer. But Jesus, the meek one, gives us an inheritance in his kingdom. Jesus, the pure-hearted one, purifies our hearts. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.